Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm Matt Modernell. Just got an emergency pod here for you, so no jihadi for this one. Just doing something quickly on the fly to get you some an initial reaction to the Wizards hiring Will Dawkins, presumably as their general manager. We have not seen a title yet, but that's sort of, you know, the last thing left for them to fill, presumably. I don't know. I guess we'll see. I'm going to have Ryland Styles of the Locked on Thunder podcast on to talk about Will Dawkins, what we should think of him, his track record. All that kind of good stuff. So we'll get to that in just a second. As always, we're brought to you by Stateside Vodka and their Surfside Hard Iced Teas, Hard Lemonades, Hard Half and Halfs, Hard Peach Teas, all this delicious stuff. Uh, go have a celebratory one right now on my behalf. Uh, Bet Online is also our other sponsor. So Bet Online is uh, your number one source for all your championship finals info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines and the latest matchup info reports for this year's NBA and Stanley Cup finals. BetOnline is your sports intel headquarters this season as we have you covered for all your insider wagering sports needs from basketball to NHL to MLB, UFC boxing, you know the drill, French Open if you want to do it if you're a tennis fan like me. It's the fastest and easiest way to get all your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your home. Get in on the action today. Head to the website. Uh, you can use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive 50% off your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, cool. With that, let's bring on Ryland and let's just get into it. All right, as I mentioned in the intro here, I've got Ryland Stiles joining me of the Locked on Thunder podcast and Thunderous Intentions. Ryland, the Wizards have just hired someone away from from your organization, an organization that the Wizards uh, fan base, I think, overall wish they could emulate and rebuild and, and do fun things from scratch and instead of being in this sort of middle build we're in. I'm excited about this. I think the fan base's initial reaction is to be excited about this. I guess the first question for you is, uh, one, how are you doing? And two, should we be excited about this? I'm doing good. And I, and I do think that the Wizards fans should be excited. Two now of your prominent executives do come from Oklahoma City, do come from Sam Presti. And I, I think that that's just the way that you have to build a, a team whenever you're not one of the destination spots sure. for free agents. So I think that it is very exciting. And hopefully they have the same success that Sam Presti's had in Oklahoma City. Yeah, I'll take a fraction of it, to be honest with you, especially from a draft record perspective, and we can get into that in a minute, but just maybe run through his resume here a little bit. He started as a video coordinator in 09-10, was promoted to a scouting coordinator in 2010 and 2012, uh, promoted from to director of college player personnel from 12 to 17, was the VP of identification and intelligence from 2017 to 2020. I want to get into that in a second. And then since 2020 has been the VP of basketball operations, 
probably a little more of a straightforward title. I think that most people can envision what that means, but can you provide any insight into VP of identification and intelligence? Cause I want that title in my current job. That is a Sam Presti special. If, if you go look through the media guide, he just, they come up with the weirdest names for titles and they pretty much all mean the same thing, but it's okay. just a f- more fun way to say it. So all, right, all of these titles are just pretty basic jobs, but they do have fun titles with them. Okay. I mean, that presumably means he was in charge of finding guys and, and, and prospects and things like that. And just more sort of a prominent role in the scouting of, of players that they've had in the last couple of years. Is that fair? Right. Right. Uh, all right. So like I said, he's been in that role for a couple of years now. Uh, and Honestly, from afar, I really like this Thunder draft record. Uh, just most recent draft, Chet Holmgren, Usman Jang, who I liked, Jalen Williams, who everyone here in D.C. really liked and, and is bitter about that he was so good for you all this year. Even other Jalen Williams, I think uh, we would have happily taken on this Wizards roster. The year before that, Josh Giddy, Trey Mann, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, could never have too many Villanova guys. Someone near and dear to my heart, Aaron Wiggins from Maryland with the 55th pick. He hasn't gotten to play a ton for the Thunder. I personally love that, and I hope you guys would be willing to sell him to us for very cheaply uh, as an addition here because we still have no small forwards on the roster somehow. Uh, Alexi Pokoshevsky wasn't as big a fan personally, but I at least appreciate a big swing there. Vit uh, Krejci, similar kind of build. Um, and then the year before that, Darius Baisley. I think those are probably the moves you could say that he had maybe the most influence over just because they've been, you know, since he's been the VP of basketball ops, I guess as someone who follows this team closely, what do you think of the draft tracker? Yeah, I think that whenever you even go back just to the 2019 draft all the way up and through there, you know, 2019, they drafted Darius Baisley, uh, traded back to do it, could have had a Brandon Clark, but at that time it was uncertain. Like, are they going to run it back with Paul George, Russell Westbrook? Mm-hmm. They took a big swing. 2020, you mentioned Pokashevsky. That was a massive swing. Yeah. But when you contextualize it and look at it in like the, the lens of, hey, they went on this surprise bubble run with Chris Paul, mm-hmm. and now they they genuinely want to be bad. They can't say that out in public, but they want sure. to tank. They want to they want to be bad. What's the easiest pathway to get there? It, it's by hey, our pick is not in the top five like we thought it would be after trading Russell Westbrook and Paul George. Mm-hmm. So let's just draft a guy who we think if he hits his ceiling, he's this seven foot playmaking on ball weapon uh, that can that can do stuff defensively as a help side defender. Uh, let's just take a big swing at him because if he doesn't pan out, uh, that's fine. We're going to be in the top five of the draft the next couple of years. Uh, right. So that is more explainable, even though if you look at that draft class, just you know, now in present day, you say, well, I could have had Tyrese Maxey. I could have all these other players. I, I get that, but it was more so the thought of we're not going to be in this position again, where we can just technically just throw away a pick. Like it doesn't really matter if this first round pick becomes anything because we're trying to be bad and we're going to have better opportunities to acquire better talent uh, because of that. And so then you get the bad lottery luck with Josh Giddy, you know, falling down to pick six whenever you should have been in the top five, uh, falling down to pick six. Josh Giddy has turned into one of the best players of that draft class. That was a massive hit in the first round. And then you have, you know, last year's draft class where you get Chet Holmgren, who we haven't seen yet, but Many people thought we're going to be the best prospect in that draft class. Jalen Williams, who looks like the second best prospect of that draft class. Uh, and then Usman Jang and, and Jay Will and so on and so forth. So I, I think that when you look at these draft classes, the one thing that st- stands out is that with everyone that they talk about, you know, Chet Holmgren, Usman Jang specifically, and Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara, 
that whole last draft of, of first round talent to a T each one of them have said, Hey, the thunder have been watching us for three years. They watched Usman Jenks. He was 16 years old. Wow. Jalen Williams openly said before he was drafted by the Thunder uh, at this time last year during his uh, media interviews, just with the media for uh, the pre-draft process said, yeah, the Thunder were the first team. They not only worked me out, but they're the first team that ever like show interest in me and come watch the games. And they've watched more games than anyone um, of me than, than anyone in the NBA in person. So like they, if they're going to draft you, they're going to do their due diligence and they, and they really track you for a long time. They were same with Chet Holmgren. Uh, Will, Will Dawkins actually said yesterday, not yesterday, last year after the draft, uh, he said that you know they've been watching Chet for three years and they felt comfortable making that decision at pick two. And so to have that amount of data and to have that amount of foresight to where, hey, we need to be watching Chet Holmgren three years before his draft to, so we can have ample amount of opportunity to understand who we should take with this precious number two overall pick that you have to hit in markets like this in Oklahoma City. Uh, that just shows the the preparation that goes into um, what they do in the draft and, and how they execute the draft. And so you you have the success of the recent first round picks, Josh Giddy, Usman Jang, J-Dub, and Chet Holmgren. But it's the second round picks that provide a ton of value. Yeah. Aaron Wiggins is a guy that has been massive for the Thunder in big spots, like in, in important games. He's been great for them down the stretch of this season. Uh, even... Jeremiah Robinson Earl's rookie year was really good. Uh, Jay Will, his rookie year this year is really good. Uh, they have seen a lot of success out of that second round. Uh, that That is how you get that kind of value in the margins. So it's all very encouraging for their recent draft history. Uh, and I think that that's going to bode well for Washington. That's such a great point. And, and I think that's going to be the most encouraging thing for Wizards fans who have maybe felt like the draft is in a bit of an after, afterthought, which is wild for a team that's always kind of somewhere in or around the lottery at the very least. And uh, it's it's sort of, as you pointed out there, like a, a different mix of players, it seems like too. Like Tommy Shepard, when he joined the, the Wizards in, in his most recent role as, as GMT president, said he was going to draft athletic wings who could shoot and then proceeded to not draft a player who fits all of those criteria uh, that's something the Thunder have done a lot of. Uh, you've got Jang, who presumably could shoot someday and is athletic, and uh, Jalen Williams or, or J-Dub, I guess, right? J-Dub is the uh, is the wing version, correct? Yes, correct. Okay, I want to make sure I get that one right. Uh, Aaron Wiggins, I think, fits that bill. You know, Pogoshevsky to some extent, Darius Bailey, not maybe the greatest shooter, but super athletic for sort of a power forwardy type guy and switchable Got Hamadou Diallo that they drafted the year before that, crazy athlete. So just a, a lot of those kinds of guys. And to your point, they filled it in with like smarter guys that that per, you know provide a specific skill set or role. You've got uh Jay Will, you've got Jeremiah Robinson Earl, people like that. Trey Mann is an interesting one. And and it's just kind of a hey, we don't just have a type that we take this one type every time. It's it's complementary guys, guys that bring different things to the table. And it's it's clear that they're doing their homework to come up with those names. This isn't just a random list. So I think that's the biggest thing for us coming off of a GM that said, you know, with his lottery picks, he was trying to draft role players. These are guys that with the lottery picks here could be stars someday. And the later down picks, they're going to at least the floor for them is, is basically solid role player, it seems like. Yeah. And, and that's why I think that you're going to find the diversity in their draft classes as well, where you see, you know, in the second round, they trade for a guy that's been Villanova for three years and Jeremiah Rumpsner, whereas like mm -hmm. in the first round, they're taking dudes that 
played in high school and then are New Balance interns for, for their gap year. Like they're they 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 have a lot of that different differentiating between first round picks, second round picks, and trying to find the right balance. And they still do take some swings in the second round. You mentioned Vic Critchie, uh, who tore his ACL before the draft and, and people thought could have been something, but it was a it was a no risk, high reward scenario. Mm-hmm. They they signed him to to a nothing contract. He lasted a year, shipped him off to Atlanta, and it was over with. Uh, mm-hmm. Taylor Maladon, another one. Like his rookie year led the Thunder in minutes. Uh, was was the backup point guard, but you got better options. You got Trey Mann. You got other options to to kind of move on from him as well. So uh, I, I think that the the key thing is that the Thunder have not been stuck in their ways of just like, we're only going to take upside. Jalen Williams is a multi-year college guy who they still saw potential in and upside in. So they went ahead and drafted him in the lottery. Usman Jang is a teenager that was playing professional basketball. And they said, Hey, this guy could be something incredible. And then Chet Holmgren is the traditional one and done uh, high lottery pick. So they, they've kind of done it in all the different ways, even in just last draft, uh, even in the just last draft class in general. So uh, it's been encouraging, especially to see this core get put together. But I think that Washington fans should be very excited about uh, what the future holds part of the michael winger edition we've heard a lot of like well it's been a little ambiguous what his sort of forte was uh with the clippers you know he's a relationship guy and a cap guy but we don't really know what lawrence frank did versus uh what winger did and and those sort of things it sounded like it was sort of a, a committee approach i guess it sounds like dawkins has been sort of uh at the forefront of, of the scouting and these draft classes I guess how much of that is him? How much of it is Sam Presti at the end of the day? And and Dawkins maybe just executing on people uh, that Presti identifies for him. Do you have any sense for like how um, much he's kind of leading the charge for for kind of picking these guys on? Yeah, the sense has always been that this is like Sam Presti's show, and this is Sam Presti's, of course, reputation on the line. This is Sam Presti's, uh, you know, kind of just decision. However, Sam Presti has surrounded himself with a ton of people like Rob Hennigan had the same title as Will Dawkins uh, in Oklahoma city at the same time, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that they coexisted in that title. Uh, they brought in last off season, not only Chip England, who gets a lot of the credit of like, yeah. they brought in Chip England as a shooting coach, but they brought in Vince Rossman from, from Philadelphia, who was a top scouting uh, guy in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. He comes to Oklahoma city. What did they do in October? They signed Isaiah Joe who got waived by Philadelphia he becomes one of their best bench players just for, for a free agency signing in October. So you, you listen to Rossman on, on scouting a ton. You listen to Will Dawkins a ton, you listen to uh, Robbie Hennigan a ton. So w- whenever you, whenever you have this kind of group, I think what it shows more so than like, who's the actual one that made the selection. I think it more so shows that you are getting Will Dawkins who comes from a, a organization and a culture of not being, stuck in their ways, not being like, Hey, I, it's my way or the highway, but a collaborative effort. So if you can get that same kind of system in Washington, where it's going to be Mike and, and will and, and whoever else that they bring into that front office and they're, and they're working together and you get more eyes on the same problem. And then you have input and, and, and debates and, and talk through it all. That's just more of an opportunity to hit in my opinion. So uh, I think if you had to nail it down and say, who is the responsible for the draft, you would say Sam Presti, but mm-hmm. Will Dawkins has a massive, uh, you know, part in this. So does uh, everyone else in that front office. Going back all the way to Russell Westbrook's draft class, yes, it was Sam Presti who made the draft pick of, Ru- of Russell Westbrook, but Sam Presti himself gives a, gives a ton of credit to Troy Weaver for advocating for Russell Westbrook and then him actually being the pick at the time. That was not thought of as, as like the best pick that they could have made at that time. Uh, you know, if we took ourselves all the way back to this point in the in this draft cycle of that year, they would have not have drafted Russell Westbrook, but it was the advocation from, from Troy Reaver to get Russell Westbrook 
uh, that led to them selecting. So I think it's more of a case by case basis of like Mm -hmm. whose input, whose guy was this, whose guy was that. But in general, I think that what the bigger takeaway than like how many draft picks did Will make is that he's coming from an environment where his input mattered. The Thunder respected him. The Thunder brought him out on draft night. Whenever, you know, whenever you're in the media, you go to the draft facility and you and you watch the draft and wait for the for the GM to come out and talk about whatever draft picks they just made. And it was Sam Presti and Will Dawkins. I think that that does matter that they brought him out as a guy last year to talk about the draft class, to talk about the draft process. So um take that for whatever it's worth. That was the first year that they had, that they had done that since 2020. So uh, take that for whatever it's worth for last year's draft class that they brought out Will Dawkins, whether that's them helping him get prepared for this opportunity or whatever it is. But uh it is hard to say anyone but Sam Presti gets the most credit, but like I said, it is great to see Will Dawkins going to go from here to to Washington, where he has a relationship with Mike and and, and is going to be another. I don't want to say adult in the room, but like another set of eyes in the room uh, that can help evaluate talent, and he's obviously good at it. And that's great, and that that's a piece that doesn't sound like has been Winger's forte necessarily. Like nobody really talks about the the draft pedigree there, so to have somebody that. He presumably trusts and and knew that Sam Presti trusts, I I think is a big um, ringing endorsement too. And then you also have Travis Schlenk coming in as well. And it's another guy that whatever you think of Atlanta, they at least attempted to build a modern basketball team. And I think that's what I see looking at this Thunder draft record is just there's like positional length and switchability and um, just versatility in general, like long rangey guys, a lot of them more, like I said, specific skill sets. Uh, and the Wizards, you know, they had said like, oh, we need a shooter. So we'll spend a 15th pick on a shooter. Like that's something that Oklahoma City has maybe tried to do later in a draft and and thought that they could get the same skill set and maybe more back for their buck. So I think that's another encouraging thing from, a, you know, if you're if you're a Wizards fan listening to this right now and you just saw your team roll out a six foot point guard, a six three shooting guard and two drop coverage bigs uh, in your starting lineup like this at least presents another um, likely move toward, hey, here's what the NBA is doing right now, and, and this is what seems to work for these these young up and coming teams. So, hopefully, that's something that we can kind of, um, you know, bank on or, or at least aspire to. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Overtime. Yeah, I think that if you're a Wizards fan, you should you should likely expect. I, again, I say likely because things can change from organizations, but likely expect that, that the Wizards will try to get uh, very versatile, very lengthy, and... Something that's been preached a lot by Sam Presti, which I assume is a is a vision that is shared by Will Dawkins, is everyone on the floor has to be a playmaker of some kind. Like the Thunder want in their ideal vision to have five guys who can dribble, who can pass, who can shoot, who can make decisions. Most defend, importantly, presumably too, you know, defend and and be a switchable defender. Even Chet yeah. Holmgren. The seven foot, yeah. you know, bean pole, and you can have all the memes you want to. Even Chet Holmgren is a versatile defender. At least he yeah. was in college. We'll see if he is in the NBA, but mm-hmm. was a versatile defender and could go on the perimeter and, and make up for it because of his length. Even if you dribbled past him, he could get back and, and block the shot and deter the shot because of how long he is. So the Thunder have looked for length, 
playmaking, versatility defensively. And they think that that's the way to win basketball games. And the Thunder last year were supposed to be a bad team. Vegas, who's usually never wrong, had them at a, at a 24 and a half over under. They won 40 games last year. They were third in the league in pace because they pushed the pace. Everyone was able to play in transition. It was a constant cutting offense. And, and they just were able to have so many decision makers on the floor. They could just kind of outwork you at times uh, in order to, to get you uh, where you want to be. And since you know that 2019 mark, and beyond, you know, you know, uh, Mark Degnault took over in 2020, 2021. Um, so since that point, the Thunder have out exceeded their expectations defensively every single year. And, and, and a lot of that is Mark and his defensive system. But a lot of that is the talented players that, that, that Sam Presti has put in front of them. So if you were going to look into a mold, uh, now again, I don't know if this is going to apply to this draft class. But if you were looking to a mold, I would say like a lengthy playmaker. I would look at Anthony Black, who who looks a lot like a more athletic Josh Giddy, who the Thunder and Will Dawkins were, were a part of drafting. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that that kind of mold would be interesting to see if that continues in Washington, because obviously he was on board with the Oklahoma City as like this new way to to build a team and try to gain the advantage that way. And, and I think that in Oklahoma City, part of the reason why you do that is you know you look at you look at some of the best you know players in the NBA. You can't stop Jokic playing traditionally. Yeah. What's the only way that's even remotely slowed down Jokic this postseason has been Miami's zone defense, which slowed mm -hmm. him down a little bit uh, in game two. That's playing unconventionally. So the idea is, well, if we can't beat you conventionally, we'll just build an entire team of unconventional players, and then we'll see if we can just kind of uh, gain the advantage that way and kind of turn the odds on the casino, so to say. So if I was looking at this in the immediate future, I would say I really think that Anthony Black would fit the stereotype that we would uh, see Will Dawkins' group look 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 for. Now, now you're going to add in a a a whole new new dynamic in that front office and everything. But just a, an example of a lengthy playmaker who who can do a lot, and then you hope can develop into something else like a shooter. I think another thing that had worried Wizards fans, just sort of related to that, is just the the timing of all these moves. Right, we're totally retooling the whole front office a few weeks before the draft essentially and one of the questions had been if you're bringing in a general manager from a team that's you know picking in the late 20s are they as plugged in with the guys that are going to go top 10-ish and I think with Will the Thunder and the Wizards picking in relatively the same range also just the Thunder in general with a bajillion picks they could move up to anywhere in the draft at any point so you kind of have to have sort of a wide breadth of knowledge of this class. I think that's comforting probably for us as fans too, to know that the guys he was looking at at 12, a lot of those are probably still applicable at eight. Uh, and any sense for who the Thunders kind of guys are right now that are are being talked about? Um, we've, we've seen some reporting about Bilal Koulibaly maybe being on their radar. That's a name that Wizards fans have, have kind of come to love over the last week or so, I would say. Um, any other names like that or any more on the Koulibaly news? Yeah, the Koulibaly news has been interesting because anytime that there's a draft day promise, people just assume it's from the Thunder. And especially whenever it's a guy like Koulibaly, who is just like this late blooming in the process kind of riser uh, that has some of the interesting tools. I think that he'd be a great fit at pick 12. Uh, picking him inside the top 10 would be ambitious. But here's where I here's where I would be interested in, in, in leading this to a Wizards conversation would be the Thunder have picked their guy no matter where they've been drafting. Again, they, they yeah. traded up to go get Pokashevsky. Mm -hmm. They got baited into doing it, but they traded up to go get Pokashevsky. They drafted Darius Baisley. They drafted Terrence Ferguson. Like those are three guys who do not play college basketball, specifically Baisley and Ferguson. Like, like mm -hmm. Baisley literally was a New Balance intern. Like did did not go to college right out of high school, just worked for New Balance. Like yeah. didn't play organized basketball, but he was their guy. Now that's easier to draft those three guys. That's easier to do whenever you're Sam Presti and you already have a, 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 a tenure and a history of drafting 
three straight MVPs. Does that does that confidence or or ability to put your name on something that is that dramatic? Does that carry over to Will Dawkins right away, or does he feel like he has to earn that credibility? in Washington before he does something like that for his first ever draft. I think that he probably does like Kulabali a lot, but that that price range of where the Wizards are picking at uh, is interesting. So would he be willing to put his kind of stamp of approval on that in the top 10, which could work out? I think the Kulabali could be a really good player. And, and mm-hmm. when it's all said and done in four or five years from now, we could redraft this draft class and he could be a top 10 player in this draft class. But on draft night itself, that is it's a, a ton swing. of, of, yeah. of yeah. swings. Yeah, that's a ton yeah. of blowback. With that being said, though, if Washington is interested in rebuilding and interested in kind of uh, of doing what the Thunder did, if he's your guy, well, could you trade back and acquire more assets to kind of fill up that 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 chest of assets like the Thunder did, mm-hmm. and still get your guy if it's Kulabali? But uh, I would circle Anthony Black for the Wizards, and even for the Thunder, if they were to trade up, they might look at Anthony Black. Uh, but some names that have besides Kulabali who have been interesting to Thunder fans uh, have been Grady Dick. Uh, Drees Walker, Taylor Hendricks. Uh, Drees Walker and Taylor Hendricks would be two guys that really fit the mold um, of what the Thunder have looked for. Uh, I know that with the Wizards, they don't need they don't have the size need that the that the Thunder have uh, need, but uh, those would be two guys for sure that would look that way. But I just I can't shake the Anthony Black feeling with Washington because of to me when you, when you evaluate him, he's he's literally just a better defending, more athletic Josh Giddy, and the Thunder really like Josh Giddy, and the Thunder took him at pick six instead of because they knew that like he was going to be their guy and they've stuck with him. They've been patient, you know, with that first year, the pairing with SGA was a little bit rocky, uh, but they, but they've seen the, the the reward of that come to flourish where they go to the play in last year. And they, and they think that he's going to continue to get better. So uh, here's a guy where to me, the only knock on him is a shooting. Like, I think he's an elite ball handler, elite passer, a really good defender with a frame that makes him the, the ability to have an upside defensive uh, ability where he could be, one of the best perimeter defenders in the league, if he can, if he can hit his ceiling defensively, uh, and then you, hopefully you can coach his shooting um, to be better, to be even just league average would make would open up his offensive game a ton. Uh, so that would be a guy that I'd circle a lot for Washington. So I I wouldn't also discount trading back though, because I think that mm-hmm. I think that both Mike and Will would really enjoy loading up on some first round picks. Yeah, this is the draft to do it, right? If you're going to capitalize on on whatever assets you can get, maybe it's it's trading off some of the other young guys you have and getting an elite first-round pick back for them. I think our fan base overall seems sort of um, intrigued by that notion at the very least. And and that brings up a good point, too. And you talked about this, like the Thunder have not been afraid to get their guy. I, I wonder how much that's changed by the fact that when you have a million picks, if you get one wrong, it, it, it's not as catastrophic. Whereas if you're the Wizards and you have very limited stuff right now and you don't have next year's first round pick by by most likely scenarios like this one becomes really important uh to get this one right pretty quickly so i I do wonder if that maybe makes them a little bit more conservative than they would be and as an anthony black truther uh, i'm personally very okay with that being uh the pick at eight but um it'll be interesting to see uh brian i got a couple other names here for you that i've seen that the thunder have worked out so far you mentioned Grady Dick I saw Amani Bates was in Adama Sanogo Leonard Miller uh Coleman Hawkins who ultimately went back to um went back to Illinois Isaiah Miranda who's opted out of the draft at this point and then it was a crazy athlete at seven feet tall and then Jalen Slauson a, a guy out of Furman is kind of a switchable multi-positional wing forward big type guy uh so just you know, some intriguing names here, I think, and they're very different than the types of guys that the Wizards have worked out so far. So I think that's 
also kind of worth paying attention to because presumably I would think Will had some input into those names and scheduling those uh, workouts. And, and maybe we see some of those guys here again, um, you know, for the other Washington front office members to get eyes on. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think that uh, he's had input on it. And I think that the Thunder, they, they're one of the teams that do not release who they've worked out. So you only get it from player social media accounts. You get it from agents. You, you get it from that sort of realm. The Thunder do not tell anyone anything about who they've worked out, uh, but they do work out everyone. Like even, even in the year where Trey Young was in the draft and the Thunder were not even close to getting into Trey Young's range, they worked out Trey Young because mm-hmm. it, the Thunder view that as a way and I think that a lot of teams do this, but specifically the Thunder do this as a way to get data on a player because once they're in right. the actual NBA, you can't talk to them anymore. Sure. So you yes, started the file on them for future right. free agency and stuff. Exactly. Yeah, great, and future and future trades, for example, like the Thunder, mm-hmm. like they've talked to Trey Young, they, they've kind of gotten a vibe of what he's about whenever he demands out of Atlanta and they have all these first round picks. Is that the guy you want to go for? Mm-hmm. Like you have the vibe of him, you know what he's been up to in the NBA. Now you have so much more information to make that big decision based upon. So they pretty much work out every prospect in the draft. Uh, but those are some some names that I think are very interesting. And, and, and you mentioned, you know, the the flexibility and the and the uh insurance and stuff like that with going to get their guy. I think that you can really point to last year's draft class where they took Jalen Williams at 12 and Usman Jang at 11. And, and on the surface, people will say, well, they clearly wanted Usman Jang more because they picked him at 11. No, they picked yeah. Usman Jang at 11 because if that trade fell through, they were comfortable losing Jang. They did not want to lose Jalen Williams. So right. they traded for pick 11 out of thin air to go to go get him from New York using one of the Washington picks, using one of the, the Detroit picks. And so those picks are lottery protected, a lot of heavy protections on them. Mm-hmm. So they felt like those picks are never going to convey. And if they do, that's fine. We got Usman Jang. So like at most of the three, maybe one conveys. Sure. So like they felt like that was a good value to go get Usman Jang. But but the reason why they selected him first was because that was not technically their pick. They did not want to, they don't want some physicals or whatever to fail. And then all of a sudden they don't have their guy anymore that they really wanted. So uh that's right. I, I think that I think that you're looking at that as as part of your your example of having the insurance to to go and and get your guy, while also you have multiple first round picks, you have multiple you have multiple mechanisms to be able to to, to give yourself your guy. But I, I do think that the Wizards would be an interesting team to follow, especially as it comes to them rebuilding around Bradley Beal or with Bradley Beal. Or you know, I say that as in using him as a as yeah. a piece. Yeah. I'm not sure if that piece with what we know about Will Dawkins. I'm not sure if that piece is him on the court or if that piece is uh, him as a as a trade you know weapon, even though he has a no trade clause. I just think that the that the Wizards would now want to look for flexibility for the future. That's been a big thing for the Thunder throughout this entire history of the Thunder since twenty you know since since twenty uh, two thousand eight. Like it's been a big thing for them has been flexibility and, and having assets and using assets and things like that. So we'll see we'll see what they end up doing, but. It's going to be fun. And and I think that they did make two really good hires. Like if I was uh, a Washington Wizards fan, I'd be very excited. I know that uh, DC sports sometimes gets beat down, but I genuinely believe that this, these are two really good hires. Uh, that makes me feel great. Cause one, I trust your basketball opinion. And two, you can't really argue with the Thunder's track record of just at least bringing in talent. And that's something that this Wizards roster, you know, desperately could use an infusion of. Uh, Rylan, anything else you want to pass on to Wizards fans here? And then where can folks find your work if they want some more Thunder coverage? 
Yeah, uh, Will Dawkins is actually a really funny guy, so I hope that he does more interviews because in our last uh, interview with him, uh, of course, the Thunder last year drafted Jalen Williams and Jalen Williams. Mm -hmm. uh, Sam Presti was asked, uh, how are you going to tell him apart? And Sam Presti said, look, it's it's 2 a.m. That's that's a conversation for tomorrow. And then Will Dawkins jumped in and said, someone's got to get a nickname real quick. Yeah. And they did get a nickname real quick. So he's just he's just a funny guy. He's a great guy. Uh, everything you hear about him is really good. Uh, so I'm happy for him that he's gotten this this opportunity. Uh, I've seen the question get floated out there on Twitter of like, how is this in a, a a raise from his position with the Thunder? I think that it's just there's just something about being one of the primary voices in the room. Like mm -hmm. even though Sam Presti did acknowledge him in the room and did take his his word and 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 treat it like gold. It's just different whenever you're the GM. Yeah, your stand is on it then. Yeah. Exactly. Whenever it's your operation. So I would look at it more of that way, uh, more so than there's anything that's going on in Oklahoma City. Uh, the Thunder have seen many uh, office members go on to, to have very uh, varying degrees of success and, and, and a ton of success um, at the NBA level, including Mike and now Will and Troy Weaver with Detroit and the list goes on. So it's going to be fascinating to see how this all plays out. And if I was Will Dawkins, I would, uh, I don't know how your listeners will feel about this, but I would uh, move on from Bradley Beal and start a rebuild where you get uh, built through the draft and you get more assets and you kind of reset everything and then build it up with the talented front office that you just hired. But that's just my preference. But you can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. And also, of course, listen to Lockdown Thunder anywhere you get your podcast from uh, and Thunder thunderousintentions.com. Uh, you just endeared yourself to Wizards fans even more with the moving on from Bradley Beal thing. Because I, I think that's where most people are at. And it's not even a knock on Beal so much as, uh, you know, this core just uh, only gets you so far. So so maybe you got to do a move that's, that's best for everybody. That's exactly uh, right. And that's what the Thunder had to do too. Like the Thunder... They love Russell Westbrook. Mm -hmm. They love Paul George. Like Paul George was the one that they traded for yeah. and stayed in Oklahoma City instead of going to LA. But when you lose to the Jazz in the first round and you lose to Portland in the first round, it felt like they ran their course. And so you move on at the right time. Like mm -hmm. look at Russell Westbrook. Like as much as we love Russell Westbrook in Oklahoma City and Washington, he was really good in Washington. The Thunder got out of the Russell Westbrook business at the exact right time. So, like, you gotta you gotta be anticipatory with these things. So, I think that that would maybe be the right time for Bradley Beal. Not a knock on him, but just like you said, things run their course. Yeah, proactive instead of reactionary, and that's not really kind of been our forte either. So, I, I think if, even if just this new group represents that, that's a win for us. Um, I just want to throw this out to everybody, just so they're aware. You did this for me on very, very short notice. By the time folks are listening to this, it will be like 40 minutes after the uh, the news has been announced. So I owe you big time. If I can ever return the favor, I will happily do that. And uh, Ryland, thanks for all the really great insight here. Thank you for having me on. All right, everybody. You know the drill. Rate, review, subscribe. All that good stuff. We're presented by betonline.ag, and we will catch you next time. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger 
for the ones who get it done.